Today's special presentation, the Keeping It 1000 podcast, is presented with limited commercial interruption thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook. Football's right around the corner. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving all users a no-brainer start to the season. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Have you ever heard of a football team losing by 100 points? Well, for week one, DraftKings is ensuring that even if Kansas City were to lose in historic fashion, you could still cash your bet. I just made this, guys. It's not a joke. I literally just made this bet $50. I'm winning $50 because Kansas City is not going to lose by 100. That's right. So if DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to plus 101 for Kansas City for all users. So even if they lose by 100, you still win big. I'm telling you guys, you think this is a joke. It's not. Go get $50 free from DraftKings. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code DNVR to take advantage of this no-brainer of an offer. That's promo code DNVR to get in on all of the action for a limited time only. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome in everybody in Denver and good people all over the world to the Keeping It 1000 podcast with myself, Adam Matis of DNVR, and with George Carl, former coach of the Denver Nuggets and one of only nine coaches to have a thousand wins. Coach, I'm still catching my breath on limited sleep from what was, I thought, an exhilarating game seven, even if it was low scoring, and a cap to what was a very memorable first round matchup. Um, how are you feeling this morning now after watching that game last night? Uh, I was kind of in a, I don't think I was shocked, but I was in, you know, I was in a state of, wow, you know, how could a game that was fast and loaded with offense and everybody making easy shots, getting layups, all of a sudden become a defensive, old school, yeah, seventh game. I mean, it reminded me of uh, how I felt when Denver beat me in 92. Yeah. When in game five, you know, we could, I mean, we, we played great defense, but we couldn't score. Right. And it reminds me that the most intimidating thing in basketball is not being able to score. Yeah. That's why defense is, I think, a little bit more important than offense is it's more intimidating than offense. And when you're making a lot of shots, if your offense still, you're still fine. But when you're a competitor, and you can't score, you start losing your confidence, you start losing your enthusiasm. And I think you saw that last night. You saw that there are kind of, of the 10 guys on the court, about five or six of them didn't want to touch the ball. Right. You know, yeah. As soon as they got it, you know, I mean, O'Neal and Craig and all those guys, they, they didn't want to be taking that last shot. There were definitely a lot of those guys last night, um, especially as the game got closer and, and down the stretch where it did look like there was maybe three or four players on the court that that were okay touching the ball and everybody else that wanted out of the way. You mentioned, I thought Denver's defensive turnaround began in the second half of game five. I don't know if we want to call it. Actually, I will call it a, a turnaround. They held Utah, I think, the 40 points in the second half, 44 points in game five. I thought they had a very nice second, third, and fourth quarter of game six. And then in this game, you know, do you think that the result of game seven was some of the adjustments and na namely the intensity level that Denver played with on defense? Or do you think it was a little bit of just Utah getting tight as the series started to get away from them? 
Oh, I think there's always a, when you go up 3-1, there's a human nature that you think you've gotten a one and it's harder than you think. Yeah. So I think, I think the role players of Utah played well in game one, two, and three. Yeah. After that, they were searching. Yeah. They were searching. And in game seven, they got nothing. Yeah. They got nothing from the guys, the younger guys, and they benched the center. They didn't play him. And, um, and, and they got a bad game out of Conley. Yeah. But I, I think the key, no one wants to talk about this, but as a coach, what I felt was the lineup change. Yeah. I thought early in the series with Porter playing, um, it was confusing to everybody. Everybody's role was kind of wobbly. Yeah. And then when they went back, to, and I, I'm, I get a feeling that he just said, I'm just going to play my best defenders. I'm playing Craig, I'm playing Morris, and I'm going to play Grant. Yeah. And even though Millsap didn't have a good series, he's still a solid player, and he knows what's going on out there on the court. He's not lost, yeah, by any means. And and I think I think Porter did a good job adapting, coming off the bench. Yeah. I don't think he was great, or what probably wasn't even good, but he was he was a playoff NBA playoff player that was acceptable especially his rebound yeah his rebounding especially in couple games his offense rebounding helped and gave him extra possessions and and scored some points and and, and he shot 40 percent from the three ball yeah uh but, but really, i think this is this is why I've, I've enjoyed these conversations so much because i think so much about the game in terms of okay this you know you need so much shooting or you need this much and when we last talked you said this specifically. You felt like that starting lineup didn't have the trust, and it just felt like they – it wasn't necessarily about what they can or can't do, although Porter not being able to defend was a big part of that. But I, I think as the series played out, I mean, every year I try to learn more about the NBA. This is maybe the number one thing I take away from the series is, oh, yeah, you needed a group out there where Jokic and Murray knew what to expect from the other guys. And with Porter, he was just a wild card. He was a little bit of this. They knew Morris. They knew Grant defensively and offensively. And I think that was so evident in games four, five, and six, and seven. And I, I think it's a personality that you're going to have to understand that Jokic and Murray on their best days are above average defenders at best. Mm. And most days they're average. And some days they're below average. Yeah. So protecting them with Craig, Millsap, uh, Murray, and then the big tick that they got that no one wants to talk about, but I think is really important, is Gary Harris. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, I, Gary I don't know Harris. Want to talk about it? It's. I mean, he was a loud defender in the final two games. And, and, and it, it, all of a sudden, their defense looked like it was connected. Yeah. It looked like it was in rhythm. It looked like it, was, it had hustle. It had extra effort. It had multiple efforts. Yeah. It had deflections. And, and you know, as I, I've tried to say, confidence, confidence, the greatest intimidator in basketball is good defense, stopping good offense. Hmm. Yeah. Why, why did Gary Harris have such a big impact? Cause I, I mean, he's obviously a fantastic defender, but I, I agree. I think Jokic played harder. I thought Murray played harder. I thought you mentioned getting deflections, getting hands on the ball. 
We didn't see that. All of a sudden he comes back and, and everything's coming up Denver's way. All the 50-50 balls. Uh, no question in my mind that he has a, a confidence in Jokic. Murray and, and Murray especially. And I actually thought they had too much confidence on him making shots in the second half. Mm. You know, he took a lot of shots yeah. that, you know, he's, he's made in his career, but he's rusty. He's rusty offensively. Yeah. Um, but his toughness, he has no fear. He shows courage. You know, I don't think he's an intimidating player, but physically he's an aggressive player. Uh, but, I, I mean, that was a big lift for them. And, I, and people, the thing that Harris did, he took – Clarkson playing yeah. with a great deal of confidence and just knocked him out. Yeah. I mean, Quinn Snyder wanted to play him, but he couldn't play him. Yeah. Because Clarkson went from a, a scorer to a mistake player, to a turnover player. Absolutely. And I mean, in the second half, he was like, whoa, get him out of the game. <laughs> you, know, you know, and then, and, and so Harris got into his head and then he went on Mitchell and did a hell of a job. And, it's, you know, Mitchell said he was fatigued and tired, and that's true. Game yeah. seven, there's a lot of mental fatigue, a lot of emotional fatigue, and a lot of physical fatigue. And I think you saw it in the game. You saw a yeah. lot of, you know, for a better phrase, wobbly confidence going on at both ends of the court by both teams. It's funny you mentioned Clarkson because I, I, you look at his numbers in the games that in the three games Utah won, I think he was like a plus 50, the most of anybody on Utah's team. And when I say him, it really is the bench unit, but it was him doing a lot of the heavy lifting, a lot of the scoring. In the games they lost, he was the biggest negative on Utah's team. So in a lot of ways, you think, you know, Donovan Mitchell was great. Gobert did, sometimes the control is those X factor players and Gary Harris. It was, it started right away in game six when he came. And then even last night, there was that closeout in the corner and the strip and just so many defensive plays that you could see, as you mentioned about the confidence builder or killer, there were those plays that he made that Jordan Clarkson just felt like, Oh, I'm not scoring today. And that, it just takes away the X factor for Utah. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, I mean, I've always felt playoff basketball, Good teams and good coaches cancel each other out. Good players, great players, sometimes cancel each other out. And the difference makers are sometimes what I call your secondary players. Yeah. And then sometimes you get a wild card. You get a, you know, you get a wild card. And I think in game five, six, and seven, Grant played very well. Yeah. Harris contributed. Uh, Morris, in his own way, he wasn't a big positive, but he wasn't a negative either. And Porter helped the team off the bench with his rebounding, as where Utah was searching. Yeah. And the big factor was Conley had a bad game. Yeah. yeah. Conley and Clarkson, who were their second and third fiddle. And I, I'll be honest with you, I love Joe Ingles. But I think Joe Ingles goes on my list of regular season players. Oh, wow. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Playoff players, you can control him. Yeah. And, you know, you know, there's a lot of guys on that list that can really be a good player in the regular season. But when it goes to the seven games and 
when you're playing each other seven times, they understood who he was and what he was. And he didn't make the three ball like he's capable of making. He never, he made it early in the series. Yeah. But as the series got along, um, I thought, I thought Ingles was at best average. Yeah. He, he really was not what I thought he would be in this series. And that's, that's lucky for Denver. We talked about the lineup adjustment. One other thing that I thought Denver had success with down the stretch was bringing Jokic up more aggressively in the pick and roll, you know, just sort of the way Denver adjusted to try to not let Donovan Mitchell step in and they still mixed up their coverages, but it seemed like they found something with how they got Jokic out of the paint and up a little bit more. What did you see from that? Just how they were defending the pick and roll and how they found success later on in the series. You know, I thought it was very good. I thought the game plan was to try to put two on Mitchell in pick yeah. and roll situations. And, uh, and Jokic got up, yes. And what I think was smart was the guy they left open was Gobert. Yep. And his bad hands, his bad decision-making, his bad ability to finish. I thought he played much better in the second half, but most of his input, his impact on the game was defensively. Uh, but I thought, I think they, they should understand that the weak offensive link on that link on that team is Gobert making decisions, not, yeah. not dunking the ball, but make right. him make a move to finish or score or make him make a pass. And he's, he's very turnover prone and he doesn't finish very well. Yeah, absolutely. He had a. I thought he had a pretty bad last three games of the series, um, including, as you mentioned, I thought Denver dared him to kind of make not tough reads, but just, you know, medium reads, and, and he really struggled with it. What do you make of – one of the things about this, I mean, these, both of these teams I think now finish one and two in offense so far inside the bubble, uh, Utah and Denver. They both were making everything other than this game seven. How much of this do you attribute to the awful defense, and how much of it do you say – these guys made three-pointers at an incredible rate, especially off the dribble three-pointers, and that's been true across the bubble. What do you make of the shooting? And do you, as a coach, do you adjust to that when you go, okay, everybody is shooting better than average in the bubble. Maybe there's something there. Well, I, I think everything helps. The bubble helps that the background is probably really good. Yeah. The bubble helps that you're shooting in the same – you got two gyms. Yeah. That you're practicing and shooting in a lot. Yeah. So there's a comfort that comes with, uh, with, comes with familiarity. The other thing is you don't have the home court yelling at you and screaming at you and telling you you're just a piece of crap. And the crowd doesn't, that noise is all fake. And so I think, you know, you, it's almost like the bubble coming back from 3-1 is yeah. easier on a neutral court. Right. You have to go into a home building once or twice to come back with three wins. Yeah. So, but the shooting, I, I've, been, I've been all over that because I just look at, I mean, I, I've said to someone, I said, I checked the rims. I think the rims are bigger. <laughs> you know, I think they, they, they put bigger rims out there to make the ball go in. Because I don't know if you've ever shot with a bigger rim and a girl's basketball. Right, yeah. yeah. It goes in a lot more. It goes in a lot, yeah. It goes uh, in a lot more. And we're only talking about a half an inch. 
And we're seeing, I, I do wonder just how much you adjust your expectations defensively, your game plan, just thinking like, hey, if everybody's making three-pointers, maybe we have to emphasize that a little bit more. I know there's in basketball, you're always, everybody talks about you have to give up something. I wonder if you're, as a coach, more, more thinking about giving up something inside and, and protecting the outside because the rate guys are making shots. Uh, I'm 100% with you. I mean, I talked yeah. to my son uh, during the series and, I, and during all this bubble, and I said to him, I said, Kobe, I would give Ron Adams a call and ask him the rules he has because I know Golden State wants to win the three game. Yeah. And they have, they, they, they've done that now since they won championships. And I'm sure Ron Adams had a lot, a lot of rules because Ron's brilliant at the defensive end of the court. And I, I hate to say this, but there's going to be a defense that's going to give up layups to stop the three. Yeah. I mean, both the Clippers and Denver are averaging 15 threes, almost 15 threes a game. And, and some days, that's, that, sometimes that gets to 20. Yeah. Makes so you're you're getting, yeah. you're getting, with free throws and threes, you're getting over 70% of your points some nights. And so why are you protecting the basket? Right. That's where the uh, points I mean, are coming from. Yeah. You've got to figure it out. There's going to be some uh, – the way the game is being played, so many uh, coaches now buying the three. I mean, so many teams shooting 40, 50 threes a game. The players that can hit them, I think that – I mean, this is part of it. From my perspective, I mean, these guys have really worked on their three ball in all situations, off the dribble and everything else, and they're making it. I mean, Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray – over 50% from the three-point line in this series. And the big key is if you can rebound the three, it becomes an incredibly yeah. – I mean, Rick Majerus told me that a long time ago, that not only you got to defend it, you gotta, you got to shoot it, you got to defend it, and you got to rebound it. All three are really important because the numbers just inflate to being a great shot. If you rebound your three ball at – at 35 or 40 percent it's it's so much it's just a great shot yeah um were there anything in the series from denver's perspective since we last talked not the first three games we can even throw out that fourth game but just down the stretch when denver turned things around what things in there do you still feel needed cleaned up or maybe a, you know something you didn't like that you saw from them uh, that they can improve upon Uh, I, I, you know, I don't think you want to over, I mean, they figured it out. The pick and roll stuff got better in game seven. Uh, the drop, which is where big guys kind of been told to go now, the dropping yeah, on yeah. the pick and rolls, you know, that, that you got to be careful of that because every possession has a lot of value. And when you all of a sudden have the offense, you know, in that, in that series, what happened in the first four games, Mitchell didn't feel the defense. Uh, talk about confidence. Yeah, he knew exactly to walk into I mean, it was like easy. Yeah, it was, it was easy. layups or wide open twos or wide open threes. Now, in game five, he started, the defense started, make, he started making some bad, bad shots, taking some bad shots. And, and I think by game seven, he was – he was, in the first half, 
He was taking a lot of bad shots. And, the, and, the, and, the, and having the pick and roll coverage up, making them make passing decisions in the crowd. He had nine turnovers. That's a big hit. Yeah. That's a big, big part of why they won. This might be crazy. So you can call me crazy and say, Adam, <laughs> listen to a coach. This is crazy. But I wonder, Denver had success playing up in the fourth quarters of games four, five, and six. Um, but then you, you go to the start of all of those games and Denver was dropping again. They were mixing up their coverage, but especially early in game, it seemed like they were dropping a lot, staying home. And Donovan Mitchell got off to some hot starts. And I was wondering, as you watch this series unfold, I thought Donovan lost a little bit of trust in some of the role players and, and this or that. But I wondered if there was anything to, would Denver, or would a coach say early in this series, we're going to play, we're going to mix up our coverages, but we're going to start off by only allowing this player to have the opportunity to get going. We're not going to let the other guys touch the ball. We're not going to do, you know, overexert ourselves. And then later in the game, we're going to get more aggressive. Is there anything to, to thinking like that to try to keep other players from being out of rhythm at the expense of one player getting into rhythm? Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there are coaches that believe in that a little bit. You know, let this guy get 50 and don't let anybody else get double digits. Right. I'm not a big believer in that. My belief is you, do, you go after their strengths and make them play to their weaknesses. Yeah. So I'm not into trying to keep, uh, you, know, you know, someone that can't score 10 points a game to 10 points, uh, less than right. 10 points. I want to make them play to their weaknesses if possible. Uh, but, you know, today's rules with no hands, you got to do it with teams. The thing about defense that, you know, I've always told players, and they think I'm crazy a little bit, you can kind of play a game of defense perfectly. You can do your job on every defensive possession. And teams are still going to score a lot of points. Yeah. But it's when teams look disoriented defensively that that, that scares me. Uh you know, you got good individual defenders, but you also got great defensive concepts. And, you know, and doing your job defensively is really a good thing to have on your roster. And I think what you, I actually saw was, you know, there's always a debate that you cannot play 40 minutes in NBA basketball, play hard at both ends of the court. So when you got Donovan Mitchell, you know, shooting about 30 times a game, scoring 40 right. and 50, you kind of got to give him a weaker assignment at the defensive end of the court. Last night in the second half, he picked up Murray and looked good, yeah. played him well, got into his body. But and as he was getting his energy to the defense, he was losing offensive efficiency and taking worse shots and turning the ball over. So the two-way player, the great player, you know, like the way Phil Jackson used to use Michael Jordan was Michael wouldn't cover the best player until the fourth quarter. Right. And they would always save his energy for offense for the first three quarters, and then he'd play both ends hard. So I think, I think the, and now the game is faster, has more flow, and has more – the more important, there's more importance in transition defense than ever before. And transition defense takes a lot of energy too. Yeah. 
I've wondered this with Jokic over the years because, you know, he has such an enormous load on the offensive end. I, I wondered if there was times with him where he sort of self-managed his energy until later on in the games. I, you look at some of his personal and the team's defensive numbers in fourth quarters, they've been much better than what they have been overall. And maybe that's just a natural thing, but it just seems like he uh, – he almost knows his energy reserve and, and sometimes manages it maybe more than a fan would like, but maybe it's smart. Well, you know, I've seen LeBron do it. Yeah. I've seen Michael Jordan do it. Uh, you know, most great, most great scores have not been a great defensive player. Now Kawhi is turning into an unbelievably great scorer. And still is one of the top five defenders in basketball. You know, another guy that's fallen in that category is uh, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Jimmy Butler now looks like he is going to be a high-level high scorer, but is a mad dog at the defensive end of the court. And these guys, as you say, energize their teams. I mean, offensive, scoring, scoring 40 points a game, Players like that, but they also like to be involved. And usually when a guy's scoring 40, you're not involved. Yeah. But when there's a guy getting 40 and then playing the best player at the other end of the court and, and doing a hell of a job, it lifts the team. It elevates, it elevates the confidence in the game and the energy of the game. Take a break real quick to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook. Football right around the corner. There's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And I'm not lying to you guys. I have done this myself. I'm telling you this as Adam Mudas. I have done this. This deal is real. Have you ever heard of a football team losing by 100 points? For week one, DraftKings is ensuring that even if Kansas City were to lose in historic fashion, you still get to cash your bet. They are making the line Kansas City plus 101 points for all users. So even if Kansas City loses by 100 points, you still win big with DraftKings Sportsbook. This is a literal non-brainer. Download the app and take advantage of this deal. It's right on the front page at the top. You can't miss it. It's incredible. On top of that, they also have these amazing offers. DraftKings is giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all users who enter their free football survival pool. All you have to do is sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, enter their survival pool, and you'll instantly get a share of up to $100 million in giveaways. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code DNVR to take advantage of this no-brainer offer. That's promo code DNVR to get in on all of the action. For limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Well, let's talk about the players in the series real quick just to kind of recap. Um, Jamal Murray, I mean, obviously he was one of the big stories of this first round. Has... You know, what did you make of his series, his high scoring, and has your opinion on him changed at all? I know I know, you had some mixed thoughts about him, whether he's a point guard playing alongside other point guards, what, what, you know, this or that. Has your opinion changed at all? Uh, I think he's a stud. I mean, I, yeah. I think, yeah, he's elevated into a different category. Um, I, I still think he's what you would call, probably they call, you know, he's – He's Damian Lillard. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a point guard that shoots the ball, 
for me, a little bit too much. But when you that's your option, you got to go there. Yeah. I mean, Chauncey Billups had the ability to score a lot of points, but he always played the game starting as a playmaking. He yeah. wanted to help and facilitate and enhance other players on the team. Um, the guy that does that is Jokic. I worry that Denver doesn't have enough playmaking on the court. Ball handling, decision-making, shot selection, help a guy out, pick a guy up by giving them an easy basket. And their two best players, Jokic is the playmaker more than Murray. Do I worry about that? Yes. I, I still think that I would rather see Murray have, have a triple-double more often than have 35 points. Hmm. I think if he, if, if he would become more of a – if Jokic and him both were triple-double threats every night, I think it would be more lifting to the team. It seems to me that they're moving that direction a little bit more. I mean, Murray's assists are up. You know, his rebounds even are up. Um, his shot-making in this one – I mean, he it really came out the most when Denver needed it the most, I thought. Um, I also wonder, I mean, to your point about playing alongside more playmakers, J Jamal Murray had three 50-point games or three 40-point games in a row, including 250, once they put Monte Morris back into the starting lineup. And I don't know that it was because of that, but I do think that Denver was allowed to do some things and Jamal Murray was allowed to do some things when you had somebody else that could bring the ball up the court or initiate the action but not finish it, swing it around to the other side. My big belief is championship teams, everybody has to be a good passer. Yeah. You cannot oh. play a bad decision-making player anymore in the NBA. And it's getting to the point now you got to be able to make a three. Uh, you know, you can't put that non-shooter on the court unless he's five, the five-man, or you have a five-man that can shoot and you can play Andre Miller as your center. Uh, but – I've always felt the two things that win championships are passing and defending. The teams that never miss the open man, that make easy basketball plays easy, and have more basketball easy plays than the other team. And that usually comes by being unselfish, being well coached, have great spacing, and pass the ball well. And the, and the glue to all that is pass the ball well. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, what about Jokic in this one? I mean, speaking of passing, um, how would you evaluate his series? I think he deserves more credit than I think we were giving him. And then, of course, he was the only answer in the fourth quarter. I mean, in yeah. the second half. Yeah. Um, he's a rock. He's smart, solid, old school. Um, you know, you, know you, you want him to be more because of his physical activity a little bit. But I, I think we miss how smart he is as a player. Yeah. How good of a shooter he is as a player. Score, he can score anywhere on the court. And he loves to make other guys better. I mean, he wants, to, he wants 10 assists more yeah. than he wants 30 points. Right. So, so you think I, – I'd give him a better grade, and I think – you know, I think he became, you know, the way that the psychology and personality of the game was Murray became the lead, lead man. He became the lead man, and Jokic had to become the 
the supporting actor. Yeah. And he bought it. He didn't yeah. rebel against it. He was okay with it. That's In fact, there, there are times I thought he was too okay with it. But then when the, 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 ball, the time to make big plays, Jokic was still there. And I think the thing they have in Murray and Jokic, they both like making late-minute plays. Yeah. They're good at it. They, they work well together. And they're good at making tough shots. Yeah. I think I, – I agree with you. I think it's a feature, not a bug, of, of Jokic in that he is willing to, in this series, say, oh, I'm not the number one option this time because this thing is working and, and kind of almost adjust his game. I mean, fewer pick and rolls where he was in the paint, you know, finishing with floaters, even fewer post touches. They moved him off ball for a while. And as you mentioned, he was able to adapt and excel in that role. So – I think the more I get away from the series, I, I kind of feel the same. And then you look at the numbers. He almost had a 50-50-80 uh, shooting splits on this one. Um, so, Michael Porter, we talked briefly about it. But I think, and correct me if, you're, if I'm wrong, I thought he was a lot better in Game 7 than he was in Game 1 defensively. And I thought that this experience for him has to be incredibly valuable because it is no longer a mystery to him why he doesn't play more in the regular season. The defense... I think I think there was nowhere for him to hide. I think he he was he was faced with the challenge in front of him of becoming a good defensive player and a smart defensive player. I agree. Um, I agree that he you know for a rookie player that has had limited minutes, he contributed to his team in a tough series. Yeah. Now, can he do that against the Clippers? That's to be determined. Um, and then the missing thing again is how is the home in a way when it goes back to the normal way of playing? Yeah, sure. Yeah. How is he going to be on the road? How is he going to react to playing a bad game two at home? And then he has to bounce back against a team on the road. And if he takes a, takes a punch again, and then he, and then the fourth game, he takes another punch. He might be sitting on the bench the rest of the series. So the rhythm of those guys and their minutes and why they play and why they don't play will be determined a lot by home and away that doesn't exist in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, defensively, it just looked to me like he was reading the pick and rolls a little bit better. Still making mistakes. I mean, we're comparing him to guys that have been there and done this for a while. But you look at that first game, I thought it was a mistake on every possession. I mean, it was the first three, really. It just felt like he was never in the right spot, never reading it right. By the end, I thought he was, you could tell, dialed in a lot more. And I thought reading it quicker. Am I, am I just hopeful in my, in my analysis here? Oh, I mean, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a good player. Yeah. The question I have after the series is, I think his best player position on this team is a four, mm. a shooting four. Yeah. And I don't think that's who he wants to be. Mm. Well, you know, yeah. I think you're going to get him with a, it's like, it's like Jalen Brown and Tatum in Boston. Who's the four and who's the three? Yeah. It almost, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. They're two forwards. They, they're crossover skills, not traditional skills. Yeah, and so I think, you know, a little stronger, a little better defender. I think you can hide him on the weaker player. Uh, if you have a three-man like Grant that can play three or fours. 
But I think uh, my thing is the prototypical three-man in the NBA is more athletic than Michael Porter, mm. a better runner than Michael Porter, um, maybe more physical than Michael Porter. But in the same thing, if he wants to be a three, he's got to learn how to do that. Yeah. And, I, and again, he probably has the talent to be all of it. He can be two, three, and four if he wants to be. But where does he get minutes? To me, it looks like the four position is where he could get minutes. Are him and Jeremy Grant good complementary pieces? Can they be I that three look four? Yeah. I think I thought Jeremy Grant had a good, a very good, maybe very special series. He made shots with confidence that I didn't, I, ne I never saw a cocky shooter. Right. And he was a little bit of a cocky shooter in the last three games. Uh, and his defense is real. He has great effort, great, great physicality. Um, and I don't know. I don't know who, I mean, Barton, if you lose Barton and Grant, that would scare me a little bit. Yeah, I think it would scare Denver a lot. <laughs> I think that's a big priority. Um, let's go ahead and move forward to the Clippers series now to kind of wrap this up because it's, it's so wild to me that the Nuggets just wrapped up this series last night. It was You saw Jamal Murray talking to um, Scott Van Pelt last night and saying, oh, my gosh, we have a game on Thursday. If you're a coach – well, first of all, let me ask you this. Are there – there's obvious disadvantages to having to go into a game one 48 hours after a game seven kind of highlight what are those disadvantages and is there any advantages now i mean the clippers didn't get to prepare for denver you know i know they were preparing for both teams but they didn't know until the same time is denver just at a massive disadvantage in game one uh, i don't think it's massive and i'm going to say i'm going to say i think it's more mental mm than physical oh wow because you know as a coach what are, what are you going to give him today yeah that was one of my big questions you know, I, I don't know if you want to flood them they're tired and they're physically tired but they're mentally tired too um so uh, you know my my gig would be right now to, and i don't know i would have told them last night to go have fun celebrate the win and we'll talk to you tomorrow night at six o'clock. And I give them all day to kind of be happy, be happy about what we've done. Let them watch TV, let them talk to their friends, celebrate a hell of a series. And then at six o'clock tonight, I try to bring them up. Probably a simple game plan. Uh, you know, they had played the Clippers a couple times in the, they played them once in the bubble some video maybe of that and go over maybe individual personalities in groups, guards, centers, and forwards mm. and let them go. And then I don't know if they can have a shoot around tomorrow or not. And then maybe fill the glass up a little bit more tomorrow on the, on the court, yeah. but relaxing their minds and, and, and energizing their heads as much as their bodies is a big part because the next round is harder than this round. Yeah. For I sure. mean, for sure. And guess what? The yeah, next yeah. round is harder than this. Yeah, round. Yeah. And I think, you know, Jokic and Murray and the Nuggets have done a good job of 
of uh, getting out of the first round. But elite players, what they did last night, there's, there's not a lot of celebration. I remember the year we went to uh, the NBA Finals, and we, we beat Utah in a hell of a game seven in the, in the conference finals. I mean, it was a hell of a series. I mean, it was great basketball. Stockton, Peyton, Malone, Kemp, Carl, Sloan. Yeah. I mean, it was a great series. And we celebrated that at a high level. We were happy as hell to win, get out, go to the finals. Yeah. And Michael Jordan said that to me after game one. You guys partied a lot about that win. You know, and this, you know, that, 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 that celebration part, I mean, winning in the first round, you should be happy. Yeah. But it's only a step. And yeah. you, got, you got three or four or five more to take. Denver's be quickly becoming that team. I know last year there was that sense of relief and they were a young team and it was their first time and you wanted to see them do it. I mean, it's funny how much you grow up. They're still a young team, but you look at it and you go, okay, the goal, this was your goal to begin with. So um, there is a lot of that. How does, how does the scouting report change though for the Clippers? Because, you know, everybody's families arrived. I think this is another thing about Denver is their families just got to enter the bubble. So this is, I'm sure there's just a mental relief for them as getting to spend a little bit of time with people they've been away from. But the Clippers' minds, I imagine, are well-rested. They've had several days off. So are they going into a much more thorough and detailed scouting report and game plan for game one? Well, I think the Clippers have some uh, – they've got some tough decisions to make. Ooh. I think who they put on Jokic and who they put on Murray. Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 the Clippers, I think, are dynamically very impressive with the skills they have. But I have not seen a connected team every time I see them play. Yeah, that's a good point. They score points, but they score it individually. I mean, they have great individual players. But do they ever have a good flow and offensive rhythm with each other? It happens once in a while, but not as much as I think it should. So the game right now, a lot of it's flow, but their offense is more efficient than, and the efficiency is on individuals. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Paul George can put 40 on you. Kawhi gets 30 every night. Lou Williams is unstoppable on certain nights. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean there's certain nights where, I can't believe how, how he makes the game look so easy. Um, Beverly, is he going to play? I think he will play, but Beverly, I think, is an individual defender that would, could give Murray some nightmares. But, they, but the guy they got to figure out is Jokic. Yeah. The thing, they I, see, yeah. Yeah, the CI, the thing I see right now is Murray went to the lead actor. Yeah. But to beat the Clippers, I think Jokic has to be the lead actor. Yeah. And that, and that sounds like a small adjustment, but it isn't as small as you think it is. Denver has 
primarily played with Jokic as the lead guy. I feel like Murray becoming the lead in the series, that's part of why it was such a big story is because it was breaking from Norm that rather than, you know, you know, what had been Norm for the, for the Nuggets so far. Who do you think they'll put on him? Because I just assumed they would have Zubats play him and maybe bring in Harrell off the bench and play small and try to defend him there. Do you think they'll get cute and try something different? I think they'll start off with Zubats on him. I think they'll start off that way. Utah doubled Jokic a little bit more below the free throw line and didn't have a lot of failure in doing it. So I think you might see more double teams. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I, mean, I, I think you're going to see uh, Leonard on him some. Really? I believe the best way to cover him is play small. Malone will go low. Leonard's going to be able to hold him off the block. Yeah. And then double with him big. Yeah, yeah. And then come out and kick Leonard out, and then you have big on on Jokic. When you double team and scramble, Jokic is a great offensive rebounder. Yeah. So that way, you know, if you come big and double with a big, he kicks it out, you kick Leonard out and stay big on big, it has a chance of working. But – there could be, in a good playoff series, I, I play guys one way. Game three, you change. Game five, you change again. In game seven, you go back what you started in game one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's an e- even series, you got to be ready to adapt and make it uncomfortable for great players. Who would you start in this series if you're Denver? I don't think I'd mess around with the lineup. I think you gotta go with what they what got them is got got them the three games in a row. Um, obviously, Mike Malone has a lot of confidence in Gary Harris, but I don't think you need to put him in his starting lineup. I don't. Gary doesn't look like he's mentally weak enough. He can accept if he knows he's going to get twenty five to thirty. It doesn't matter where he's going to get him. Mm. So. I, I would stay with the lineup. Um, you know, Morris is going to have to cover probably Paul George, I guess. I don't know. That's an enormous size yeah, mismatch. I mean, that's one of the problems is that the Clippers are one of these, you know, modern teams that has just so many tall guys across the lineup. I think offensive rebounding is going to be important in this series. They, I mean, they have a, mon, a, a mad dog in Mont, Montel, Montel, Montez. Montrez, yeah. Yeah. And I think Jokic can be very effective rebounding the ball against this team. Is that a key battleground, do you think? The, just the glass? I mean, just really punishing them on the, on the boards? I think extra possessions always make it easier. No. Anytime that you can get a, a double-digit extra possessions and deflections, steals, uh, neither team blocks shots very much. Denver doesn't is not a steel team, but De- uh, LA is. Uh, so, can you win a game with turnovers? Can you win a game with offensive rebounds? Yeah, you can. What are, does Michael Porter concern you in this series? I mean, that was one of the things about the last one. You were very concerned about him, and you were right to be. Uh 
You know, I think I think the Clippers are, are he's going to be on their priority list of going at him. Yeah, yeah, find him and go. Uh, you know, they have all the the ability to create a switch. It'll be a challenge for Michael Porter to get as many minutes as he got this this game. I think. Yeah. But you know, he has a he has a big time weapon. He can't. He thinks he's going to make every shot he takes. And he still shoots forty percent. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think Malone will find time for him in a, in, a, in a way. In a, yeah. a, it might not be as much as he wants, but I think there's minutes out there for for Porter to be on the court. How different is this series going to be from the last one? Because I look at it, and I think it's going to be completely different. There's not going to. I don't think the Clippers run a lot of pick and roll, and they don't really have the speed guys. They have a lot of great other talents, but. It just seems to me like this series will be a whole different set of challenges with almost no crossover from the previous one. I agree. I think you got a lot of isolation, a lot of one-on-one with the Clippers, with Lou and Paul George and Kawhi moving it around. Um, The three ball will be interesting. Who gets the best three balls? Who makes the most? And Jokic, as I said before, I think that matchup is a problem for them. So how you navigate it to be a problem is going to be interesting. Do you play him outside or do you play him inside? Uh, you know, because Jokic is shooting the three ball great. Yeah. And I don't think their center, their young Zubik, or, yeah, I don't know if he's capable of handling help and recovers. Right. I mean, Jokic's really cute. He's not fast, but he's clever. Right. I think for him personally, I mean, if it's funny you were talking about maybe we don't appreciate him enough. 26 points on 50-50 shooting splits, 50 from two, 50 from three. Going up against Rudy Gobert, I have to imagine for him individually, just his individual matchup as a scorer has to become significantly easier now going against what I consider to be much lesser defenders. But I also think he might see more team, double teams, mm, more, yeah. more scrambles. But I agree. You know, and, and the whole thing is the Utah-Denver series had a lot of fast and flow, a lot of pace, a lot of rhythm. Um, I think the Clippers want to play fast, but they, they want their best players taking the shots. They want their best yeah. players making the decisions. As where I think Utah played more of a ball movement, team basketball, more actions. I think you're going to see Kawhi and George dominate the first team. Lou Williams is going to dominate the bench. And in the the fourth quarter, Doc is going to ride which one is going best. And it's probably going to be Kawhi. Yeah, it, that's an, uh, another reason perhaps to leave Gary Harris on the bench is you talk about Lou Williams. That's one guy that, again, if you can kind of take one of their weapons away, it, it makes them a little bit more one-dimensional or two-dimensional, whatever it is. So um, I could see that there. I, I'm curious for the series. Do you think – I saw on Twitter you put out sort of a this is one's going to be tough. I know you, you, you're taking the Clippers if you had to take a team, but – how, what are Denver's chances? Do they have a shot in this, or are they yeah. underdogs? I'm, 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 I'm putting that out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's going to happen? I mean, is Beverly going to play? Right. Uh, 
do they have an answer for Jokic? Is Paul George going to hit another slump? Right. Is Denver going to give two games away with bad attitude and bad approach? <laughs> you can't do that in this series. You might. They got I mean, to, yeah, I mean to, you don't know. Team. Yeah. I think one thing in my mind is important is that they get a win. They get a win early. Yeah. I think winning one of the first two games because the anger and the physicality and the tension and the enthusiasm, the intensity that comes after it builds yeah. game game two is more than one game four is twice as bad as two. And so the more difficult situations are going to come later in the series. So getting one early is important. I think to Denver's Denver's youthfulness and their confidence and can they gain I mean, having a, uh, a professional maturity by, by, by winning early. Yeah. Well, it should be exciting. I'm so glad we're, I'm so thankful. And I'm so glad that we, uh, we get this. It, it came very close. A Conley shot that was halfway down at the buzzer from, from us having to wrap up the season. And I'm glad we don't have to, yeah. as, as a result, we get to do this again, coach. Um, either after game two or game three, I think if the series is Oh two, we probably talk after, after game two, because we don't want to be too late to kind of talk about where the series is going. If it's a split after two, we'll probably wait till after three to come back and, and talk to you guys. But I'm excited that we get to keep doing this and keep analyzing these games as they happen. Um, it should be a lot of fun. Any parting thoughts before we head to this Clipper series and, and see what happens? Well, the one parting thought is not necessarily on the Clippers in Denver. I think this is the best basketball in the world. These eight teams, when the NBA gets down to eight, yeah. and you have usually three, two or three really great matchups, but I like the matchups. I mean, the matchups, we, don't, we still have one to be determined, but uh, my feeling is this is where the champion comes, shows his face. Right. The first round is survival. Yeah. The second round is who is really real? Who is, who is a pretender and who is a contender? Comes out usually in this round. Well, I hope Denver emerges on the right side of that. <laughs> for us, I do for everybody too. listening. Um, but no, it should be good. So everybody, I appreciate Coach Carl, thank you so much again for taking the time and for sharing your thoughts. It's always, I'm telling you, I feel like I've learned more in the last month about NBA basketball than maybe any other month of my life. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. It's kind. Thank you very much. And thank you to everybody who's listening. Be sure to check out the Truth in Basketball podcast with, with George Carl. Does fantastic work over there talking about his entire career, some broad stuff about the NBA. Be sure to check out DNVR, the DNVR, and the DNVR Nuggets podcast. And we're going to be back here sometime in the next week. We'll see you all then. What a great episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening all the way through. Before we get out of here, remind you about the sponsor of the show, the one that made this show possible, DraftKings Sportsbook. Football's right around the corner. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, the one I use, the one everybody at DNVR uses, all of the DNVR family. We think you should use it as well. And to celebrate, DraftKings giving all new users that no-brainer bet, Kansas City plus 101 points. That's right. Bet as long as Kansas City doesn't lose by 101, by 100 or less, then you're you're safe. It's an absolutely ridiculous deal. Um, you got to get in on the action. Place a $50 bet down. Collect your $50. 
done deal, free $50 just from this show, listening to the show. And then on top of that, they've got all kinds of other great things going on. $100 million in total prizes that they're giving away for their free survivor pool. So sign up for that. Go on DraftKings Sportsbook and enter it. Everybody who enters gets uh, at least some piece of that action. And then there's a $1 million grand prize for the last person standing in that survivor pool. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to take advantage of that no-brainer offer, the promo code DNVR. Don't forget that promo code. Very important to us so they know that we're sending them clients. For a limited time only, DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.